When it comes to hunting boots, how many pairs does one man need? Well, how many seasons are there? Turkey season? Deer season? Duck season? Dove season? Honey, how many pairs of boots does one man need? At least one more pair. For just about everything for hunting, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Larry Potterfield with Midway USA. Thanks for your business. Hunting is not easy. It never has been. It takes dedication, motivation, a lot of patience, and quality gear. If you manage a food plot, put up stands, or need just one more game camera, we can help at MidwayUSA.com. We opened our doors in 1977 and continue to put customers first by offering super fast, same-day shipping. For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome, boys and squirrels, to the Northern Outcast Outdoors podcast, The Outcast, your home for all things hunting, fishing, and ball busting related. Powered by Citizens Hunting Co., AF Custom Calls, and Hour on a Limb Manufacturing. All right, boys and squirrels, we are back with a riveting episode of the Outcast Podcast, <laughs> episode 10, season two. Is it 10? Coming at you. Yes, don't question me. Okay. We have a brother from the eastern side of our world, which technically I think he lives in Maryland. But we have <laughs> Mr. Brian Pickrowski, Pick Nasty, Pick Diesel. You get to pick what to call him. Pick, what's going on, buddy? How are what's you? Up, what, what's up, fellas? Good to be here. Thanks for uh, asking me to be on uh, season. T- or, I'm sorry, episode ten, season two. Appreciate it. Yeah, we're no rotten river. We don't have ten seasons yet, bud. Okay, calm down. <laughs> we're we're not at the decade yet. We're uh, we just kicked off season seven, so we're we're in the uh, we're on a roll. That's an understatement. Yeah, you guys have a pretty damn good podcast over there. Um, I know we were just talking about this before you came on. Booers like they definitely have the biggest baddest podcast out of PA hands down, and I I wasn't even going to question that for a second. Oh, you guys are a staple with the small community that does exist here for sure. Yeah, we um I I'm I'm fortunate to be part of those guys, and uh, I know we're like I said starting on season seven. I, this is uh I've been with the guys for a total of three seasons, and uh, it's it's a great ride. Um, I enjoy getting uh on uh on the phone on zoom so however it may be live at the table talking uh outdoors hunting fishing anything um dealing with uh getting outside so um it's a, it's been a, a great journey and um yeah i just i love doing it i love doing it the one thing i think is really cool about your podcast that definitely puts it above the other ones is your guys' stuff is so polished like on your social media, you guys always have like a little preview video, like for the sauna campfire and all that stuff. Like you guys like really got your shit together, which is, yeah, Chuck, we need to get our shit together a little bit better here too. But like, I mean, you should see these guys work too at the great uh, American outdoors show. I mean, there is like, I've been a part of some of their, their texting groups whenever they go to that show and some of these things that they're doing. And man, I mean, it is literally like bang, bang, bang. Everybody's in place. Everybody's out just gathering material and content and i mean they crush it they they work their asses off during that show oh that's great watching you guys on instagram and all that 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 week is a grind um you know me 
Um, being south of the Mason-Dixon line, I try to get up there as uh, as much as I can throughout that week. I usually flex my schedule at work and try to be up there, um, you know, both the front end of the weekend and the back half of, of the weekend and then a couple days uh, throughout the week. But, uh, yeah, we, we – uh, the good thing about – uh, the group Rutten Rivers, we have, um, you know, there's seven to eight of us at any one particular time. And so, uh, you know, we seem to always come up with some, some good ideas. We, we work together, we problem solve, uh, and, and, uh, just, you know, try to knock out the content, um, as, as much as we can. And, and that week is a grind. Um, you know, everybody should have heard of, you know, the great American outdoor show there in Harrisburg and, uh, it's a um, it's a long long week. We put in a lot of hours. Um, you know, Will Miser and uh, and Ryan Madeira, uh, they do great job with editing the material and and putting everything together. And we all we all chip in. Uh, you know, we have a we have a, a photo thread that we take some pictures and um, you know, like you said, uh, Chuck. You know, we we communicate through a common thread and just try to. Um, get as much information out there uh, during that week as as we possibly can for people that can't get there and and you you cannot cover that show even even in the in the nine or ten days that it's open. I mean there is so much to see. So if uh, someone wasn't able to get into the fishing hall and see a you know a, a captain of a boat, hopefully you know we we may have covered that and um, they can listen to it and, and hopefully get some information that they possibly couldn't get while they were there. No, oh, no doubt about it, and I, I like the way you guys do things as far as coordinating where you've been, what you've hit, and then communicating that so you don't double down on somebody. You know, you get kind of material from all the different areas, and, you know, to bring this full circle, that's kind of the same way you guys do with your social media and your podcast, and it just seems like out of the seven or eight guys, you don't have a weak link. You know, you hear it, it's pretty cliche, but you're only strong as your weakest link in the group. And you guys just have a solid, solid group. Um, I love what you're doing over there, but we got to get into some fishing and talk and some hunting talk. Oh, he's bringing fishing back. Listen, we just (laughs) recapped a fishing episode and I was basically scolding these two for even thinking about talking about fishing. But then I started to think, you know, we got pick coming on and this guy, we we were talking a little bit about the yakking for bass challenge. And yeah. dude, you finish up in the top every year with just purely small mouth, it seems like. And, and it's yeah. unreal for a tournament that it goes, you know, based on length that you can just get it done out of a kayak year after year. You're you're kind of a beast at fishing it, it, as well. <laughs> I try. I have a, a couple uh, little honey holes here um, in, in Maryland, and I try to get up to the Susquehanna, the, the Susquehanna River right in around the Harrisburg, Pennsylvania area is a, um, you know, the smallmouth mecca um, fishery. And, uh, you know, so there's at any one particular day, um, you know, there's no reason you can't pull out, uh, you know, 15, 16, 18, 19 inch. I mean, if you go up there and get skunked, um, something's wrong. Either either <laughs> the weather is terrible or, you know, something has happened uh, with, the, with uh, you know, the water. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I try to get out and, and do the best I can. And, uh, I, I actually, I still have one more fishing trip coming up, um, Perfect. in two weeks. Oh, you hear that? Yeah. Chuck? He's still fishing. He has a couple trips coming up that we'll oh. discuss. Okay. Why don't oh, you both all done. calm down? That's all done and over though. No, no, shut up. Fishing is over. Yes. Agreed. It's weird. What, what is your fishing trip coming up pick? 
Uh, we're uh, there's a um, a group of guys that I think this is the fourth or fifth year uh, we head up to uh, the tributaries off of Lake Ontario for salmon steelhead nice. um, and, totally and do different. a four, yeah four <laughs> four or five day uh, trip um, and uh, basically just try to bring home a bunch of fish a bunch of salmon so um, it's it's a blast we're we're looking forward to it again. And, and um, due to one of the, the gentlemen that we go, his work schedule doesn't allow him to go any earlier. I know the, the fish, uh, the salmon, the steelhead are running right now. But uh, again, just due to scheduling, we usually hit that last uh, weekend or last week of October going into the first week of November. And so we're, we're doing that again. So uh, last year was probably one of our best years. Um, we're allowed to keep three fish uh daily up there in new york and we came home with 41 fish yes. um out of out of the five of us so we we uh we, we uh it, it's a full day we we get up in the morning and uh we have about nine or ten different spots in the area in and around uh, waterport new york is where we stay yep. and um you know we try to we try to land land some fish and there are a few times um you know if the fishing's good we'll we'll just catch for recreation we'll catch and release um but the group of guys i go up with we just have a heck of a time um you know my my face hurts at the end of that weekend from smiling and laughing oh, yeah. so much um so yeah that's a that's a, a a trip that i look forward to every year and uh again hopefully bringing back some uh, some nice salmon to fill the freezer with most of the people that i hear of around here going to new york this time of year going for brown trout it's funny to hear you say you're going up there for steelhead because I, I could tell you 10 people off the top of my head that are going up there for brown trout in the fall, like religiously. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not discriminating. Uh, we, we have the, the king salmon, uh, which the king and the uh, Chinook, I believe, are, are yeah. synonymous. They're the, the same name. And then you have, you know, your, your steelhead and then your brown trout. So uh, I believe right now you can have um, three salmon or one steelhead, one brown um, on the stringer at one particular time. Um, I believe there's some cohos that, that run up out of uh, the lake as well. So uh, whatever we uh, hook up on, um, again, uh, we, we're just we're trying to fill stringers and, and bring bring the uh, the cooler home full. Oh, for sure. The steelhead and PA are up in Erie. They're like just getting started running, but it, I don't think we've had enough cold days to really get them, get them going. But that's Something I used to do a million years ago, but I kind of got turned off just because of the crowding on the rivers up there. I, it just kind of sh- turns me off being that close to people up there. Yeah, I, I'm I'm familiar with that as well. Um, you know, back when I was in in grade school and and going to, into high school, my father and my grandfather and I we would go up to uh, to Pulaski, um, New York, and along on the Salmon River. That was back in the day when you had the you know the the one ounce, the one and a half ounce treble hook and snagging was still yep. legal. I remember yep. it being, a, you know, I, I catch three fish and it was uh, a tough time for me to drag those three fish out. That's how, how small I was. Um, but to your point, yeah, the, where we go, um, we don't have the crowds that you do there. Um, yeah. Where you're talking about up in Erie or over in, uh, over in on the salmon river. This is uh, you know, if, if you do get into a group of people, there's always another, stream that you can walk down um and um you know sometimes there are days we try to hit a weekend and then monday tuesday wednesday or maybe go up midweek and hit wednesday thursday friday and uh try to get midweek and we we really don't run into a bunch of people so it's not too bad 
Yeah, that's that's a plus for me. That that would be a huge benefit to the trip as well. And you know, one of my arguments for not fishing now is mostly what we do is catch and release at this table. So I mean, there's an to argument an extent, to be yeah. made that if I shoot a deer during these ten days, I have meat in my freezer. But if you're doing a trip like you're talking about, going up and catching you know 41 fish between you guys, when you split that up at the end of the day, you're coming back with some pretty good sustainable meat i mean at the end of the day you got quite a bit coming back for your freezer as well and listen listen i'm not against it Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-huh it it, it is tough you know i'm walking along the streams and i'm looking at of course this time of the year the 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 leaves are changing um you know the scenery up there is phenomenal and um there are some times i think about i should be in a tree stand right now because i know the rut's about ready to kick off but um again you you hook into into one of those salmon and uh, you know you get 20 30 pound test line and it's it's zizzing you going up up the stream um the, those uh thoughts of of deer quickly dissipate <laughs> and i'm focused on getting this tank to the bank oh for sure i mean plus the picturesque you're standing in a river fishing and the leaves are like slowly falling around you on a sunny nice day it's hard to be mad about being there yeah absolutely absolutely I don't know. I know what Pick's talking about. You get that scent in the air, and you kind of have that feeling, that little tingle at the back of your neck, and you're thinking, man, I could, I could be, be in a tree catching a musky stand. on the Allegheny River. <laughs> yeah, that's what he's thinking. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm thinking I could be in my tree stand right now. Typically, that's the feeling I get while I'm at work, though, not while I'm fishing. So I guess if I was fishing, it wouldn't be too bad. But these guys give me a lot of help, Pick, because like, I was just spent a whole hour talking about how the, the Listen, rods are if you are would away. have seen the text message thread between me and him <laughs> the last like three or four days because like hey we should do a fishing recap we really should i'm not talking about fishing me me, me. i hate fishing fishing the worst. He, it makes he, no sense to be able to talk about fishing. the whole time he finally starts having a little fun and then we get you on the line what's the first thing he brings up fishing fishing <laughs> hey good transition time to talk about something else then huh awesome yeah, we can do perfect that. We can let's do that. <laughs> Uh, slight transition then. So pick, I believe you are already on the board for 2022. You have drawn blood. Yes, I have. I've been, I was fortunate, um, uh, probably about a month ago. I think it was the 24th of September. I was able to, uh, to kill doe, um, had, had an opportunity and man, um, I've, uh, over the last probably five years, um, I've had, unfortunately, a few incidences where, uh, you know, I've had made contact with some deer and, and not been able to, to uh, put my tag on the deer, uh, which led me down the road of looking at my equipment, looking at um, anything that I could increase the odds, anything that I can do to increase the odds of, um, me getting that deer and putting, you know, my tag on that, on that animal. So, um, I, um, I started researching setup of arrows and broadheads and, and weight and front of center. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of people have been kind of going down that high FOC route and, you know, the ranch ferry. And so I, <laughs> I, I explored that a little bit and, uh, and finally, you know, came up with a setup that, um, I, I feel is going to work well for me. And, uh, you know, the opportunity arose, um, last month to, uh, to test that out. And, uh, man, I, I was not, um, displeased at, uh, and how my setup worked and, uh, again, draw, draw first blood on doe down here in Maryland. Uh, she, uh, she went less than, uh, 75 yards and, and piled up. So, uh, 
got got that kind of like uh, monkey off my back and tested the equipment. Um, so I, I'm I'm pretty happy and, and psyched up for the rest of the season. I know it's it's about ready to get get kicked off um, with the rut. So no doubt about it. I I tell people quite often with my setup. You know, it's I put a lot of work and a lot of thought process into my arrow setup and whatnot to kind of find like that sweet spot with my my bow and everything I'm doing. And kind of the phrase I use quite often is, look, I'm chasing percentage points. Like, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, if my success rate with my original equipment's a 79%, I want to make it, you know, five, six, eight, ten 10 percentage points better if I can. If something I can control to make myself more successful, I'm going to do it. So I started building arrows and adding weight and, you know, like you're mentioning, front of center and everything like that. I think personally, one of the biggest things that, a hunter can do and make a mistake of is putting all their attention elsewhere and not looking at the arrow. I think your arrow is almost one of the most important parts. Once you have a fine tuned bow, of course your arrow comes, I think number two, um, it can make a huge difference because even a well-tuned bow, if you're shooting the wrong arrow and it's coming out sideways, you know, or if it's coming out flapping all over the place, it's, it's not going to always perform at that highest percentage point. Yes, it may work at a 79% effective rate. I want an 89. I want a 99. Eventually, everybody wants 100, right? But that's just not physically possible to get there. Right. But what can you do to get those extra five, six, you know, percentage points better that if you do make a marginal shot, maybe you get an extra six inches of penetration and instead of it stopping in one lung, it goes penetrates through into the second lung, something like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree 100%. Yep. I think recently the last like five to 10 years, the kind of glorification of the Western hunting has really brought around like people putting like FOC. Yeah. You need to have that heavy FOC. You need to have as well. We're not hunting elk around here. And I think a lot of people fall into that trap myself included. I switched to a heavier broadhead last year. And I think it actually negatively affected me trying to, kind of chase that because I shoot a harder pulling bow, you know, so it, it was kind of one of those things, but I think that sometimes people get that enamored in their brain about that FOC because that's kind of a recent phenomenon, like with people really like pushing that and it's, you know, guys are pulling, you know, maybe 60 pounds and, you know, shooting whitetail around here that you really, it's actually hurting you more than it's helping you. I, I think it's a hot topic item. Um, and it's most it's a buzzword recently, for sure. It is. It, it's been most recently brought and thrown around. The problem is I don't think you can take it and say this is a one-size-fits-all. If not. you do this, it will fix everything no matter what, and I don't agree with that. I think everybody's setup and everybody's bow acts differently, and that's what I mentioned about myself finding my own bow's sweet spot, Yes, like how heavy I need to be, what percentage FOC I need, and putting all the numbers into place and then doing the calculations and coming up with a good result. And that's where I've been so, so happy the last two years with result. I mean, I have not not gotten a pass through on an animal yeah. since I've started with this this whole journey. So, so far it's working. Uh, my arrows are flying true. Everything's flying good. But I want to know, Pick, like when you started to get into this, obviously there's a lot of research involved. You don't just wake up one day and say, hey, I want to build a heavy arrow and you know what you're doing. So where did you start? How did you come up with what your sweet spot is and what your build looked like? Um, I, well, I just, you know, I, I agree with everything that was just said. I think that 
um, you know, you, you have to look at what you're going to be hunting, um, what you're shooting, how well you're shooting it, and then and then kind of fine tuning it. So I was I was shooting a um, hundred grain uh, broadhead uh, with a, a total of about a, a four hundred and sixty um, grain arrow. Um, I think my my front of center was like eight percent. 9%. So, um, you know, not even double digit. So I, I just, um, I tweaked everything. I, I, um, after last season, I completely stripped down the arrow. Um, I went so far as to even change the helical of my, my fletching. I was shooting, um, um, a helical right, um, using an Arizona easy fletch. And, uh, again, in, in my journey of just trying to educate myself and uncover every, um, every bit of information I could, um, you know, I found out that it's like, you know, there's one or two string manufacturers, bowstring manufacturers that twist their strings in, in a certain direction. All of the others, and I can't remember if it's, if it's a left twist or a right twist, but um, if you um, bear shaft your arrow, again, it's a high percentage. I can't think of exactly. It's going to twist to the left coming out of your bow so you know they were they were saying why don't you use a if your bow string is automatically coming you having your arrow come out left why would you have your helical right so i went to yeah. uh, went to a left helical um i added a um, a 50 grain insert up front um fortunately the the spine that i have uh was a 300 spine so it was it was uh you know the, the correct spine i didn't have to um, change anything like that. I, I'm shooting a Matthews verdicts, uh, at 75 pounds. Um, and my draw is, uh, is 29 inch, uh, draw. So, um, well with a left, uh, helical added some weight up front. Um, actually changed my knock. I went, um, from the regular S knock to a micro knock by Easton, which dropped like eight grains on the back half. Um, and, uh, added a, heavier broadhead. I went from hundred grain to 125 grain. So my, my current setup, again, it was like 461 or 462 at 9% FOC. I'm shooting 495 grain at 15% FOC. Um, and, uh, yeah, I needed to, to, um, change my, um, my site. I have a, um, a spot hog, um, fast Eddie XL. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm still not, um, dropping off as, as, you know, a lot of people say, you know, you, you really get that drop off at, at 40 plus yards, but, um, you know, until to, to your point, um, we're hunting whitetail, we're not out West yeah. shooting 50, 60, 70 yards. So, you know, that, that 20 to 30 yard whitetail shot, you're, you're probably not going to see that drop off, um, that, that arrow tail off, um, at longer distances, um, and I, I went to uh, probably the the what I consider the Mac Daddy of broadheads is Iron Will Outfitters. Um, they they make a a variety of of different broadheads um, that are made out of A2 tool steel, um, which is from what I read, it's the steel that they make ball peen hammers out of. I mean, I don't think anything gets harder Jeez. than a ball peen hammer. No. So that that blade is not gonna. It's it's solid. It is a solid uh, broadhead, um, 
two-blade. Two um, they, they make a, a vented blade, and then they make a solid. I, I ended up getting the solid. Um, so that, that thing is just uh, – it's it looks – I don't want to say crude. It looks it, like it old it's, style. It's a, just a flat two bladed. Yeah. Flat two bladed broadhead with a little tiny bleeder. Um, so it's not anything fancy or high tech or it looks like it has, you know, some, uh, you know, high tech engineering <laughs> in it, but man, the, the thing just works. Um, that, that doe that I, that I killed, um, complete pass through, I did slice one of her ribs and it's stuck in the ground, uh, about six inches behind her. And, um, I ended up, uh, because the broadhead is simple, um, you can resharpen that blade. Um, uh, iron wheel bill, as they call him, bill, uh, the owner has a lifetime warranty, um, on those broadheads. If you bend it or in a hunting situation, the, the, the blade gets gnarled, um, he, he will replace the broadhead. So I thought, you know, you're, we're spending $1,500, $1,800 on a bare bow, $350, $400 on a sight, $200 yeah. on a rest, and then we're throwing a $10 broadhead on the tip of our arrow. Yeah. Like, that, that's, the, that's the most important. That's yeah. the, por- the point that penetrates and, and, you know, is the first thing that hits that animal that you're hitting. So, you know, why not, you know, spend the time to get the best broadhead that you possibly can um, and, and that's what I did. So, um, I, I'm, I'm happy so far with it. I'm looking forward to hopefully, um, you know, kill a couple, couple more deer and, uh, hopefully next year, um, get to take it out West and, uh, and see how it does uh, on an elk. So that's, that's kind of the, the plan, um, next year. So I wanted to get this set up under my belt, shoot it, get comfortable with it. And then hopefully, um, you know, have no reservations, um, going out West next year. Yeah, now you were building a setup, and then if I remember this correctly, you won a, a custom arrow build as well. Is that correct? Yeah, I did uh, Vector um, Arrows, which is a tremendous company. Uh, small, um, small group of guys that that really um, all of the things that I just talked about. You know, um, having front of center, making sure that the arrow, the, the spine is spine aligned. They do all that for you. Basically, go online put in your specs of your bow, your draw length, and, uh, and they make an arrow set for you. So uh, I had just gone through, you know, spin testing, you know, in addition to changing everything that I did with my arrow, I took a broadhead and spun tested every single arrow and batched them out to make sure that like I was putting the straightest arrows that I possibly could in my quiver. And I shot every single arrow uh, with a broadhead into foam to make sure it flew right. Got my quiver loaded and then these vectors showed up and i'm like oh man like what am i gonna do i got i you know i want to shoot these things but um i knew that what i had in my quiver was you know kind of semi-field tested um so i kind of have those as as backup arrows and uh i think what i'm planning on doing with those is is after this hunting season i'm going to take the arrows that i have now um screw on 100 grain field point and they're going to be my tack arrows my total archery challenge arrows and then i'm going to go through and set up those vectors um to uh hopefully be my killing arrows that's awesome i know uh this year tax bringing that up that was uh actually when i finally got to meet you we've been following each other on instagram i think for a couple years now at this point but it was cool to finally put a face to a name down there yeah 
Yeah, I um, I I kind of felt like a celebrity. I mean, you go, <laughs> you walked over, you're like, "Hey, thick," and I'm like, I, and I again, I recognize you as well from uh, you know in uh, in our our pod community, out there community, yeah. and uh, so it, it was. I, I wish we could have got up and and uh, got caught up and and do some shooting together, but man, that that event is just you know the the magnitude of that event, oh, yeah. um, you know, uh, is is uh, huge. So we unfortunately we couldn't get uh, get together and shoot, but. Uh, yeah, that that event. I'm looking forward to that already um, next year. Oh, that's a big, big, uh, big date on the calendar every year for us now, for sure. After the last two years of doing it, they they definitely burn and turn you up there too. Like you said, we were both kind of there last minute trying to get on this, the lifts, and we were waiting for Kent as well. <laughs> we were we were waiting for a buddy that was kind of running late, and uh, I. I I think I've even told the story before, but it was hilarious. That, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah, we were outside of the black rifle. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're kind of standing there waiting, looking around. And he's like, is that pick diesel over there? And I looked over and saw this other guy. <laughs> yeah, you'd like just bend down beer. to grab a can out of the cooler yeah, or something. Yeah, and I looked yeah. over and I saw another. And I'm like, that ain't pick diesel. And then I looked like three guys to the right. And there you were. I saw the Badlands before I saw you. I'm like, yeah, that's pick diesel. All right. <laughs> Yeah, everybody knows I'm a Badlands fanboy. <laughs> was that was that a recording you just hit there? <laughs> <laughs> that was our sound bite. Yeah, shameless plug. Bite. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. But now that is a good event, man, and that's a lot of fun. Next year we're gonna really have to get the groups together and and coordinate something in some kind of fashion. I know it's really hard with registration. Yeah, we had trouble just getting our group together. It's so bad, but. If we can try to figure something out ahead of time and at least have a game plan or, you know, some kind of close time. Yeah, or meet up frame. after something. Yeah, that way we can uh, we can better situate and, and run into each other. Because I know you guys were done with your course, like, way, way ahead of us. And then yeah. you went on and did kind of the elk course as well, which was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that, that event, um, again, is, is phenomenal. And, uh, you know, it just, man, it gave me – another level of confidence, um, with the bow, um, you know, shooting out, uh, you know, 70, 80, a hundred yards oh, at some targets. Doubt. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you, you draw back on a 25 or 30 yard shot and it's like, you know, the, the pin, you know, is minuscule and you can just drive yeah. tax. It feels like, um, you know, at, at that distance. So, um, but one, one thing that, um, you, if you, you know, talking about registration, there's a, there's a Facebook page, um, total archery challenge shooters. And there's a gentleman on there, um, Rob Chilinski, um, you know, just for general information, he, if you reach out to him, um, on that Facebook, uh, group, um, he will, he bend over backwards to try to get you the course that you want with the people that you want. Um, he, he's a, he's a great resource. I think he's out in, in uh, Western Pennsylvania, um, close to where you guys are. He's, so, um, yeah, he's a bit more south of us. I tried to, I almost bought a couple of the uh, old TAC um, targets off of him. Yeah. He had some for sale this year, and I got that off of a podcast. You mentioned that on your end as well, and reached out to him after that and saw he was on Facebook and connected with him. And I, I've talked to him a few times, but that is a, honestly a great resource to have because we talked to somebody i, I will say when i emailed i yeah. found an email because we had to switch to but we, we shot both days i wasn't there the second day but i had emailed just their support and they emailed me back within i think a couple hours like the same day and they were like hey what do you need and then like they're like cool this is what you got to do and then it was that you know they were actually like very accommodating surprisingly 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't had, you know, nothing but good things to say about that, that shoot, that event. And again, yeah. you know, Pennsylvania, I believe is, is one of the largest, if not the largest tack in the country. Uh, they run it four days where I think other yeah. um, venues, they only run two to three days. So the amount of people that, that go up and down that mountain is, uh, is, you know, significant. So for, for everybody to um, run that event, it's, it's run as, as smoothly as it, it could be run. I think they told us the Utah one is the biggest one, and then PA is the second biggest. Yeah, because that Utah okay. one, I think, is like the HQ. original. Like yeah. that's where everybody, um, like, kind of where it began, and that's like the big, big, big event. But I, I still don't know if they run it as many days as they do in PA. I don't know for sure. I, I but yeah. I mean, if you think about it, though, the state of Pennsylvania, Eastern Ohio. Maryland, West Virginia, New York, New York. I yep. mean, wh- I think the next closest one was they went to what Michigan after us. I think is what it was. Yeah, I, I think there's there's one in Vermont and then there's one in Tennessee. Yeah. Um, so I think those are the two closest to PA. That the gentleman that I shot with, um, we went up to the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and shot the elk uh, course. He was from New Jersey. Um, yeah. He was. Uh, he has a buddy that uh, I think he was in the military. He lived in Central Ohio, and they were supposed to meet up together. And uh, something happened with work, and he ended up, you know, going himself and hooked up with him. And uh, yeah. yeah, I shot with uh, with Harry from New Jersey. So oh, yeah. uh, it, it draws people from all over the the East Coast, if not the country. I know the last year we shot the group behind us was from West Virginia. We talked with them; they're all cool. And the dudes in front of us were from. I think they were from New Jersey as well. Now that I'm thinking about it, the dudes, the whole group in front of us, and then there was those guys from Ohio that were with them as well. Yeah, I mean, West Virginia is like a skip yeah. across the... <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. close enough. You know, but, I mean, think about those states and how many people bow hunt. Oh, my God. You know, this in, is like the hunting mecca of the yeah. eastern United States for whitetail, for it sure. It really makes sense that we draw one of the biggest crowds, in all honesty, yeah. because it, it, there's just so many of us all trying to get into this little event, and they do a really good job down there. But I'll tell you yep. what, if you're ever going to want to try to hunt elk, that elk course has to be a huge benefit. I mean, how many opportunities you get to shoot at full-size elk oh, targets, yeah. you know what I mean? And, and from different distances and different uh, angles, angles and, I mean, that had to be a huge, you know, like you said, confidence booster for what I believe you mentioned you are looking to do an elk trip soon. Yeah, yeah, it was. That was uh, definitely, um, you know, a course to, that was on my radar to shoot. We we met up with some people. We signed up with some people and shot, um, I think it was the Black Rifle Coffee Company course. And then uh, I definitely wanted to get on the mountain and uh, and shoot at uh, an elk. And, yeah, it was it was awesome. Um, like you had said, you, know, you had bedded elk, you had standing elk, you had um, some of those, the, the mini elk. I think Reinhardt makes a, a mini elk that was, um, you know, tucked in some of the, the woods, um, you know, um, I think the longest shot on that course was like 121. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous where, you know, I, with, with my spot hog, even with my, my second pin, I was at like 110 Kentucky with my second pin. And, and, <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, all right, let her rip. They held it at its back. And I, I did hit foam. It would have, it would have drawn blood, but it was not a fatal shot. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hit him in the, in the, above the knee. I think it was on the back leg, but, um, you know, it, it was awesome just to, just to get out there and, uh, you know, and you know, those, those elk are pretty much, you know, life size. So you're shooting at the, the, the vital that you would be on, on a, um, a real elk. Um, so it was, it was 
awesome. I'm, I'm really looking forward to trying to get out there, um, you know, Lord willing, next September, if uh, if gas isn't $8 a gallon oh, and, and I'm still healthy enough to climb up and down the, the Colorado mountains, I'm going to try to get out there. It'll be um, next year. I will be turning 50. Um, so I Dude, know you don't, that you don't look 50, man. For <laughs> real. Insane. You really, you really don't. Yeah. I know that father time is, is against me and, and, you know, I want to try to get out there. I've been putting it off, putting it off. Um, and I, I'm just like, I'm determined to, to get out there and, and, uh, you know, do it for the first time. And I think once I do it once, it's going to be like an every other, every, you know, two to three year trip. Um, so just to my wife and I, um, and her family, we vacationed out there two years ago in Colorado, just to sightsee and, you know, go to um, Rocky mountain national forest. And, uh, man, it just, it is phenomenal. Just like speechless looking at the topography and, you know, we saw moose, we saw mule deer, we did see some elk. Um, I, I, you know, I wanted to get back there and, uh, and I think that kind of was like the catalyst that said, I got to pull the trigger. Um, you know, and then on top of that, uh, Every year we get older, our body starts to deteriorate again. I'll be turning 50. And we did some hikes out there at, at 8,000, 11,000 feet. And I'm like, man, I, I want to be as young as I possibly can to get out there and try oh, yeah. to try to do that before, you know, I'm physically unable to. So, um, yeah, Lord willing, next year I'm going to take a trip out with a few guys. And um, as of right now, um, maybe hire an outfitter to pack us back about four to five miles, set up a base camp, and then, just kind of like uh, hunt some over-the-counter grounds, um, some land from that from that spike camp. So um, again, that's the plan. We'll uh, hopefully I'll it'll come to fruition, and I'll get out there and uh, try to chase some elk around. Hell yeah, man! That's awesome. I'm jealous. Uh, yeah, as am I. Because <laughs> we got we got straight up cheese balled out of two years of going out there for elk for COVID gas, and then yeah. this last time to Montana for gas again. We were going to yeah. go hunt hunt turkey last spring, and we got cheesed out of that. Yeah, we we are we're gonna get out there next year somewhere. I, I don't care yeah. what it takes. We're gonna go somewhere. Uh, I'm 100 percent in. I, whether it's turkey hunting, whatever, I don't care. But man, I mean, like you said, you you get into that one day crowd. You know, the one day I'll do it. One day I'll do it. Next yeah. thing you know, yeah. you're you're looking back at like you said, and I'm like, man, I wish I had 10 years back that I I yeah. go try to do this thing with 10 more years on my life. So you know, at, at our age, it's, it's time. We got to quit, you yeah. know, putting it off one, one day, one day. Cause you'll never make that one day. Never happen. Mind the age either too. I mean, we're kind of at the point where like, you know, the next 10 years, there might not be hunting out West for all we fucking know at this point, you know, like the ecology just might not be there. They might, you know, shut it down yeah. out of staters cause the way they're Anything changing their over the counter stuff. in a lot of these States, they've been making it harder and harder for out of staters to come out there, which I get it, but who knows yeah. at this point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I I, um, I subscribe to uh, to um, a, a, it's called the Elk Collective. Um, it's uh, Jason Phelps, Dan Staten, and Dirk Durham, and they have a uh, and a tremendous online resource of videos and and books and educational um, you know um, talks on e scouting. And uh, one of the gentlemen from Go Hunt, he did a talk out there, and they were talking about point creep. And, uh, you know, he said so many people are, are putting in for points and, and hoping to get that, you know, may, may take 10 points to get to a particular area. He said in five years, that 10 point unit may be 16 points, 18 points, 19 points. So he said, you continue to put in, 
He's like, you may not get a chance. He said, and this is a gentleman that does this for a living. He tries to get people uh, tags to hunt big game out West. He said, if you have eight points, he's like, hunt a four point unit, hunt an eight point unit, just get out and put boots on the ground and do it. Because, uh, you know, under the certain circumstances, like, you know, we just talked about with the economy and with COVID that kind of drove things up. People are, are purchasing preference points and they're not going out and burning those tags. So that those, uh, points just continue to stack and this creep starts to set in. Um, you know, there's some 18, 19, uh, point units out there that I will never be able to get to see at 50 years old. Um, so, you know, I'm just going to try to get in the woods, um, you know, do a few over the counter hunts, um, and see, see where, where elk hunting takes me, you know, and, uh, you know, there, there are, you know, some opportunities, Colorado's one, uh, Idaho is still over the counter. They changed their, uh, the way that you acquire the over-the-counter tags a little bit, uh, Montana, I believe, is still a tag where you or a state where you can uh, fairly easily get a tag. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll see what happens. Again, you know, Lord willing, I'll try to get out there and just at least take my bow for a walk and maybe blow on a bugle tube and <laughs> see what happens. Say <laughs> so you did it. Yeah. Right. Uh, the elk stuff really does uh, intrigue me. It's something I want to do really quick here. Uh, it's. It's just insane how expensive it has become. It is very expensive. and and It it is is tough to, for regular jack-offs like us that work a nine-to-five, like, you know, an every-year thing. Like, yeah, if you live by yourself in your parents' basement and don't have any kids, Sibeli. What? (laughs) What's happening? You could maybe afford to do that every year, but, like, even every other year would be a stretch for me, in all seriousness. You know, that's more expensive than my daughter's trip to to Disney World, you know? Like, for what? Yeah, I've... You know, I've been I've been collecting gear for such a hunt for probably the last four years. Yeah, and that's um, another thing you got to do, like take into consideration too, is the gear out there. And that if you want to have shit that's not gonna like fail you in a potential situation where your actual life is depending on it, you know, you can't cheap out on that shit either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, word word of advice: if you're anybody out there listening, don't like Chuck said, don't put it off you know, pick up something, you know, some gear now for four years from now. So that way, um, you won't have to drop six, seven, eight grand on just gear before you even hop in the the truck to get out there. Yep. One, one of the things that Jeff and I did, because we were doing that when we were planning to go all kind of, and we started buying stuff two years ahead of time and the packs, we probably spent too much money on going with Kafaru right off the bat. But that's something that I use around here. Now that I have it, I find myself using my like pack frame for so much shit now. Like I put my climbing stand on it and so much nicer yeah. using that. Like I use the crap out of that now. So, I mean, there is some crossover between, you know, that gear out here still, you know, on top of all that. Yeah. We'll just yeah, say that. Absolutely. Yeah. Before, before I, you know, had the, the private ground that I hunt now in Maryland, I was, when I first moved to the area from Northeast PA, I, I lived in West Virginia and, I did the the public land hustle. I, there's a place called Sleepy Creek Wildlife Management Area. It's like twenty thousand acres. I I mean I packed in a, a climbing stand and uh, you know knocked on doors and got you know as, as much permission as I could on some some ground and you know th- that stuff won't just sit in your closet. If you you know you'll if you have it you'll find a use for it. Like you said, um, you know doing other hunts. Well, that's that's just going to be my excuse. We'll just say that. I'm building gear up uh, all these years. Yeah. But here's the <laughs> thing. I, I built up all the gear, and I never made it out there. 
Oh man, but it, it is. I mean, it's definitely going to be a fun trip for you. I hope you guys get to go. I hope you do it because I I think you'd have a lot of fun. Like you said, that kind of style too, kind of getting packed in four to six miles and and having a spike camp and kind of hunting and living out of that camp. That would be an absolute blast. It's almost like a drop camp, I guess, in a way. I guess it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty know. much. I mean that that would be the way to go if if I ever you know ventured out that way, but. What do you think, Sabella? You, you I, ready I concur, to hunt elk? I concur with everything that's been said so far. <laughs> so Sabelli <laughs> just got his his first ever bow. I would, they, they bullied me okay. into archery, and I'm yeah. I'm semi grateful for it. I, I I held out as long as I could. I'm still a new hunter. I've only been this is going to be my third year hunting, and they've been uh, they've been mentoring me into the uh, the wonderful world of uh, uh, getting out there into the woods. And uh, tomorrow actually will be my first day of archery. I'm going to sneak away to a little spot and just sit around for a little bit and see what happens. Sweet, that's awesome. What uh, what uh, what did you get for your first bow? Uh, well, see, Chucky. <laughs> see, he's getting the the very unfair experience. He didn't get to like suffer with someone's hand me down. Freaking. <laughs> We tried, in all fairness. Yeah, we tried. We we definitely did. Chucky was trying to get me on one of his older bows, and it just didn't work out. So I just said, well, we'll just go ahead and get a Matthews and uh, just jump right in. All right. That's that's, that's not a bad choice. I believe it's the V3X. No, no, no. It's not the X one. Yeah. Oh, no. You didn't go with the X. That's right. Yeah, the 31. So the V3. That's That's it. Great choice, man. Great choice. Yeah, I like it. We were just shooting and sighting it in a little bit earlier, and uh, I'm semi-confident that if I trip over an animal tomorrow in the woods, I might be able to kill it. <laughs> He's like that kid in high school that the dad bought like the Mustang for it. Everybody thought it was like real cool, you know, yeah, his right, first car. Yeah. Then you find out I flipped it and <laughs> drove it over a cliff. Yep. <laughs> so I'm really tomorrow, I'm just hoping to get in and out of the woods in one piece, and uh, that'll be the uh, the first day. That's sweet. That's how we all started, man. I, back in the day, you just to get out there and just do it. And every time you go out, you learn something not to do the next time. Oh, I've so learned plenty a- of not what to do for turkey and deer over the last two years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what I told him, Pick. I was like, look, man, just get a bow. I don't care. And I even told him, you know, go buy a crossbow for this season because obviously look where we're at. We're mid-October. Yeah. He just got his bow in, you know, but definitely yeah. I would say I have confidence in him right now just with kind of tuning him up in the yard that he can kill a deer with that setup uh, up out to 30 yards confidently. I mean, you're we're talking two, three-inch groups out to 30 you know, putting them in there at 20 and I'm like, all right, I I think you're okay, but dude, just go (laughs) in the woods and learn. You have to learn woodsmanship. You have to see it all. You have to experience it firsthand. This is not rifle hunting. This is not turkey hunting. Those two can both be very fast paced and, you know, exciting. This one's you're in the natural element. Deer are doing their thing. It's slower. Resenting out. Yeah, I mean, you're going to see a, a deer doing deer things for the first time. You might not see a deer doing deer things in <laughs> you know your vicinity for days on end, and True. it will mentally try you <laughs> in different ways. As long as I come out of tomorrow with no videos surfacing online of a mountain lion walking me down. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, I should. Yeah, you, it's, that guy, it's a win. Did you guys see that? That yeah. dude did. If that was me, first of all, I wouldn't have even pulled my phone. I would have emptied the entire magazine into that thing. Yeah, because yeah. like, that like, was that was in Iowa, wasn't it? It was out west somewhere. Yeah. Oh, well, there out. was. I think there's. there's yeah, there's two, two videos. Yep. 
Yeah, there's two videos. One, the gentleman had his, it looked like a Glock, out walking backwards yeah. with the, his gun drawn. There was another video in Iowa, of all places, where a gentleman is in his tree stand archery hunting, and yeah, a mountain lion right is it. like yeah. eight yards. Yeah. It didn't even yeah. see him either. That was the crate. The wind must have just been right. He got lucky. That's another yeah. thing. Like, dude, just shoot that damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just shoot yeah. it, dude. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't know how I don't know how close Iowa is to to you know state. Could have been Western Iowa. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were talking about in the, in the near the Dakotas, I believe. Um, but man, still the hunting, um, the hunting public had that one video. That's what they I was were just was bring it up. Nebraska? I think they were either Nebraska or the Dakotas, and they walked up on that sleeping mountain. Line. And it was that just, just popped up yeah. on my phone the other day, and I watched it again. Like, oh, they posted like a top five craziest yeah. moments. It was something. early, early fall. Like, it was still pretty green out, and they're like, "What the fuck is that?" Yeah, and it was a mountain <laughs> yeah. lion sleeping like that. And then when you stalk up on it, and it pops up and looks at you. Mm-mm. Yeah, hell no. Yeah. Hell there's no. there's not very many animals that i'm afraid of in the woods that is one of them yeah i i've heard some stories from a, a buddy of my dad's from back whenever he would go out and he he was a pure mountain man uh, and he would go out without a gun and more than once he had been stalked by mountain lions Jeez. and that's what he wow. said you know if there's any animal in the woods that scares me it ain't the bears it ain't any it's a damn mountain lions because he just turned around at one point one sitting in the middle of the trail at like 30 yards staring yeah. at him wow that shit yeah, is not cool. Well, that's all <laughs> no. they hunt is they wait for you to walk walk by right. and then they ambush you from behind or from the from above. That's what I mean, above and behind. Yeah. Nope. I'm yeah. out. I'm out. I like being an apex predator. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think the dude with the the Glock that was backing up, he actually shot. He did shoot. I mean, shot twice. He, I mean, he was missing by a mile, so I don't know if he was intentionally, but I don't think he was missing intentionally. Uh, no, I don't think so. The first one, I don't think he intentionally missed. The second one, he may have intentionally missed. Yeah, the, like I dude, feel like watching that video, he was probably more geared in on watching the phone screen mm-hmm. as he was recording. Yeah, like, dude, put that damn thing down. You're about to die. I think in his mind, he thought, "I'm about to die." And I want whoever finds my body to yeah. see this recording of what happened. Like, how did I go out? I don't want there to be any questions. Oh my God. I fought a mountain lion and did not survive. Yeah. And that's what I think he was going for. That, that, that thing gave me anxiety watching that. Because you could hear, yeah. hear him breathing like, oh, yeah. Like, dude, put the damn phone down. <laughs> <laughs> and what was crazy is the lion didn't even after he shot the first time it still it stopped didn't even and continued blink. to like get yeah, yeah no didn't that, even blink. that's crazy that second shot didn't rattle me either <laughs> no it really didn't it really didn't jeez oh. man no i'm out no i'm good i, I actually i don't want to go hunt elk i'm i'm out <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's one thing i didn't quite um think of yet I, you know we're we're thinking about or looking and see if we're going to be in bear country. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I have the largest caliber that I could carry conveniently is a nine millimeter. I don't know if a nine millimeter is enough. So you're better um, off with bear spray. I think, I think both. Yeah. If you have, a, yeah. like you can get some 124 grain hollow points. You'll, you got a couple more bullets in there. Just keep squeezing. You'll stop it. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. Well, I, I heard it somewhere else that, you know, somebody that actually deals with like the biology of the wildlife out there and with the big bears and a lot of things they see is most people that get mauled and killed by bears, they find that bear with bullet wounds in them. Yeah. You know, either wow. they died from them or survived the wounds, but most of them, I'm you still know, going down still shooting. Shoot them. Yeah, yeah. I I'm agree still going 100%. down sending, sending <laughs> but hate. At the end of the day, they said that the bear spray is semi more effective, but 
at the same time, it's best to have both. Yeah, I believe. So, yeah. I mean, it's not going to hurt you to carry. Like, it's yeah, not exactly. Be, like, some massive inconvenience to have <laughs> both would, on you. I would have both if it was bear country. I mean, it's a little different. Like, around here are bears. I have zero fear. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's fear when I see them, and they're, like, at the base of my tree a few years ago. But I don't have really fear because they're hunted hard here. Like, yeah, right. they're other a than more this, timid. Other than running into one with cubs. Yeah. That would be my only fear. But in a normal yeah. hunting situation, an archery or rifle, if I run into one, they catch my wind, whatever. Other than maybe if I'm beaten through brush and I get mauled in the middle of it, whatever. That's that's my calling. <laughs> but I, yeah, I don't really fear them uh, too much around here anyhow. But it's different. That's a total different situation. Well, my cousin Nick, you yep. were up at the camp when he was telling about his bear got, he got last year. He actually fell through this like rough cut slash they were like hiking over in bear season and he actually fell through the brush down into a bear nest like, like a, in like came den. the den and like, like came face to face with the bear like 10 feet from him Sweet. in the hole we need to get him on to talk about that because that's actually like that would completely be fun. insane but he like dumped every round in his 45 70 you know at the hip like at this thing because he, he fell down there he just saw this lump turn around and look at him and he's like holy that's shit and just start shooting because <laughs> his buddy that was with him was like yeah, I saw you. I heard you like make this noise, and then I couldn't see you. Then all of a sudden, I just heard the gun start going off, and they like had to like. He was telling me a story. It's wild. We'll have to get that on a different yeah, episode. Let's, but, let's yeah, let's get it on for sure. Yeah, it's <laughs> it, it's it's crazy. I don't know, pick. I think if you get in a fight with a you know mountain lion, bear, or whatever, you just get them like in a leg lock. You'll be fine. Dude. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They think I think they might take me. You think so? I don't know, man. Well, there's that yeah. dude that just I mean, choked I, one I out him, last year. He I, choked I, one I'm, out. <laughs> I think it was in I think Colorado. Them, uh, I'll, I'll run for their money for maybe a half a second, but yeah, <laughs> that solid second of power, and then you're like, "Oh no!" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, well, it was fun. Yeah, <laughs> as you see the tables turn, you're like, "Ah, oh, this was a bad idea." Yeah. Oh man, good stuff, good stuff. Well, uh, again, I really hope you do get out there. And I don't know, did we kind of just comb over the whole fact that you shot a deer this year? We didn't really talk about the hunt at all, did we? <laughs> I mean, we we heard he killed it. That was about as far as we got. Yeah, we we gonna yeah. we're gonna have to hear a story from you. What went down? I know you, um, and I like the words you chose. Slice through a rib with that. That's that's delicious. That sounds good. Well, if you see those broadheads, yeah. that, that wouldn't surprise you. Yeah. If you were sliced, using the iron wheels, sliced is a correct terminology. <laughs> But but let's hear a little bit about it, man. What went down? Little September kill. Yeah, it was. Um, got in the stand. Um, it was seven thirty, so it had been light for you know half hour, forty forty five minutes. And uh, actually, uh, the doe. I don't know the first doe that came in. Actually, came running in. Um, I don't know what whether it was spooked or you know she was just running to get into the area that I was sitting in. And and uh, so I quick you know heard the the deer running through grabbed my bow turned and look and uh, by that time the doe was already in front of me and um saw a second doe uh behind her um so i i focused the second deer was a little bit bigger of a, of a deer so um focused my attention on her and she came in and out of the corner of my eye i looked back and there was two more deer coming and um in the spot that i was hunting i had pictures of um five different buck and um and they were you know shooter buck one was a a nine point one was a heavy eight um and uh when i i turned to my right and and again saw these deer coming they were about 75 80 yards into the woods i 
paused and made sure that I didn't see any rack. Um, the the third deer I, I did ID as a just a spike, um, and then the fourth deer, which was further back into the woods, I saw had a, a like a, a small half rack, whether it be a you know a two up or three up. I wasn't sure, and when I identified those as not being a rack buck, it was game on um, that the doe and came in front of me and um, stopped, turned, and uh, went back around, and and as she did so, she did kind of like look up into the tree you know as they all do um and i uh i just like froze i was already hooked my release on and i just in my head i was like don't do it don't do it i was telling her don't do it it's okay it's okay don't do it um and uh she calmed down after about five or six seconds started to walk she she kind of knew something was up i don't know if she caught um caught scent of where I had walked in because she kind of got to exactly where the, the trail that I had walked in and, and uh, stopped. And that's when she turned around. So I think she knew uh, something was up, uh, but uh, she ended up walking back to the trail that she came from. And there happened to be a, a, a tree. And when she walked behind that tree, I drew back. She continued to walk um, from behind that tree. I did the uh, obligatory brap. She stopped and um, I whacked her, and it, it as um, you know, Brian. When you start getting out there into the woods and experiencing all this, you're going to find out that um, you know repetition just sometimes takes over. You, you go on autopilot, and I, I think I problem solved in my head as I as I drew back. I, I hit my collar, and I had to like with my with my thumb move my collar out of the way so that I can get my anchor down. Um, and then when I, when I buried the, the, you know, the, the peep and the sight on her, I had the whereabouts to think, well, she's probably less than 20 yards and she kind of is on edge. I'm going to hold this shot right in her crease low in case she does jump, jump the string. I'm going to at least get into a vital. And if she doesn't and she stands there, I'm going to heart shot her. Um, so I, I released it complete pass through ran off and and i don't know if either one of you guys have have killed a deer this early in the year but man there is a lot of green in the woods leaves it tall sucks. grass it yeah, sucks it, my guy it does so when i i looked at the uh, at the the arrow with my binos um and knew like i just right away as soon as i released it and i saw where the arrow went i'm like that's a dead deer i just i just had that confidence um, examined the ground with my binos from the tree stand, waited about eight or 10 minutes, slowly got down, walked over to the arrow and you know, examined the arrow. And when I looked, I just saw blood going through those, the high grass. Um, and, and again, you know, the, the, the high grass can be a good thing because the blood is all over the place. You, you can't miss it. And it can also be a bad thing because you can't see the deer. I mean, you're, you're walking through the woods and if you're in an area um, we had the, the, the farm that I hunt, my, my in-laws farm was, um, logged about, uh, four years ago. So it's starting to grow up and get, um, some thick areas. And as I'm walking through there, um, yeah, I see blood and I go 15 yards and I go 20 yards and I go 25 yards and I'm at 30 yards and I'm like, holy crap, like, where is this deer? Like I, I got to the point where I'm like, I know she's dead. I don't want to bump her. And, and let me rewind after getting down and 
looking at the arrow, I kind of sat there. Um, I didn't want to, you know, push it, um, text my wife, text my dad, my father-in-law, um, you know, the R2 guys. Um, and it was about 25 minutes, close to 30 minutes after, you know, I had shot her, I, I started on the trail. And um, when I got to about 50 yards uh, and not seeing this deer, but seeing the amount of blood that was laid on the forest floor, I thought, man, like, do I need to back out? Like I started having second guesses like on my hit, but it, you know, your mind plays games with you. I know it was a great hit. I, there's tons of blood, but I don't see her. And um, no sooner did I start thinking that into my head, I looked over to my left and there she was laying about 12 yards from where I was standing. So again, that grass was just up. I just couldn't see, um, see her through the woods. So I, if, if it was, you know, October, early, you know, end of October, early November, I probably would have been able to see her go down from the tree stand. But, um, you know, with the, the green and the grass still on the, uh, in the woods in mid September, it just was tough. So, um, yeah, that was, that was it, man. It, it, uh, it went as well as an archery hunt could have gone. I mean, just the way that she came in, turned, got her stopped, perfect shot, passed through. Um, it just, you know, the recovery, it just was, was a great hunt. So, uh, you know, hopefully it's going to continue to, you know, roll like a snowball from here and, um, planning on, you know, continuing to hunt here in Maryland. And then, um, after my salmon trip, um, which is in two weeks, Last year, I did this as well. I go up and, and fish for five days, and then on the way back, I stopped up in Wyoming County at 3B, and I have my what I call my PA rotation. Uh, that's November 2nd through the 5th or 6th. I get four days in the woods. Prime time, there my guy. P- yeah. Yeah, PA up there with my dad. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to every every year um, the, the quality of the bucks up there in PA. Um Oh, you know, hey, course, take it easy. Take it easy. Yeah, yeah, Maryland's yeah. got the big deer. What are you talking about? The biggest. We, yeah, we have, we have a few, but you know, in, in historically Pennsylvania has, has not been the big buck state, but man, I don't know. What is it? 20 years now that antler restriction, um, oh, has, God. has played a role. Um, it, it's been a while, but, uh, you know, and I think people are, are getting more educated. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they want to see, bigger deer in the woods. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. You know, people want to, want to, if it's brown, it's down. There's still, you know, some, some a certain time of the year. And, and, you know, again, well, the economy people, is, the brown is, is down as a, as a daily mindset for some here yeah, <laughs> at yeah. this actual yeah, I mean, table. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's, that's awesome. I mean, everyone has their, their own evolution, um, as a hunter and, um, you know, he or she, you know, uh, I have a pile full of, you know, basket rack, six and eight points. I just don't want to shoot something like that. And there are times when, you know, I, I uh, celebrate Passover, as we say, and, and don't draw back on a deer. And, and sometimes I regret it. Sometimes I regret it. I, I you know, I, I feel like I get opportunities. I don't, I don't think I'm a, a, a great hunter but i I feel you know that i can create an opportunity in the future and sometimes i get burnt i I don't uh i don't get an opportunity during muzzleloader season or rifle season to to draw back or or you know pull up on another deer but um yeah i just you know looking forward to getting up there in pa the my my dad man he my dad he actually just left uh today um 
my dad will be uh, 71 in December. And man, he is a young 71 year old. Uh, he came down and, and we hunted here um, in Maryland on the farm here for the last three and uh, about two and a half days, three days we hunted. He has put a ton of work on the property up in, in Wyoming County, up in PA where he, uh, he hunts. Um, kill, he has killed some big deer. I've been successful and killed some nice deer up there. He put a food plot in this year. And man, that food plot looks phenomenal. It's got, uh, you know, some chicory, some, some clover, uh, it has some radishes in it and it, it, it just took off. So I, um, he runs some trail cameras, getting some big, big deer on, on camera. So I am excited, um, to get up in PA and spend, uh, spend them the, some time in the woods with him, um, first week into, of November. So. That's going to be awesome. Heck yeah, dude. I'm I'm also yeah. team Passover, so I get it, man. I totally understand. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> you don't have a choice, yeah, though. You, you, don't you, get to be. you need to get those couple goober kills in. Although before you leave tonight, we might want to go over their antler restrictions. If, I, <laughs> if, if, a raccoon, if a raccoon by chance gets stuck in some gnarled twigs, there's a chance that I draw on it tomorrow. <laughs> hey, it's, as long as it's a nuisance kill, then you are a nuisance. Check your legs. So. Yeah, check your <laughs> thank you. <laughs> oh man. Well, well don't be so hard on yourself there, Pick. I you know, I think you're a great hunter. Uh I think you're going to do well this year and I hope for the best for you. But man, um I'm excited for you, man. That trip up to PA that, that you get to do and spend that time with your father, that's that's awesome. That's, that's Yeah, it's 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 great. So he, he um quick side note, he um shot his first buck um, two years ago with a bow or I was it with Archie. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's been two years. I, I was able to, um, get the video camera out and, uh, you know, I videoed some of my hunts and I, I threw that video up on YouTube. Um, so, uh, yes, 68 years old and he killed his first buck and, you know, life, life gets in the way, you know, I'm four hours from him and, you know, growing up, you hunt together as a, as a young child. And at least we did and my grandfather and my dad, and then go to college. And, you know, you just don't hunt every year in and out in every year in and out with each other and and lose track of who kills what. And I never realized that my dad did never killed a buck with archery gear. And, uh, you know, as, as we were, I was running the camera and, and had a, a deer come over to me, which I passed, went over to him. He was able to shoot it. Um, and I, during the recovery, um, you know, I asked him that question. I'm like, I know it's been a while since you've killed a deer um, with a bow. You know, you know, how long has it been since you've killed a buck? And he's like, I've never killed a buck with a bow. And I'm like, holy crap. Like, I, I lost it. Like, I, I got emotional. I'm like, I got this whole thing on film. It was just an awesome experience um, to share that moment with with my dad and uh you know hopefully we'll continue to to make some more memories um you know again in the woods again he'll be 71 this year and man um you know i i just look forward to going up there and and you know again he came down here this past week sharing the the woods with him so uh yeah i got an exciting couple a uh, couple months um of hunting coming up both here in maryland and up in pa best really of luck cool. to you bud best of luck and yeah I, I don't see a better way to end this one. I think that's uh, we got you up running up on time here and uh, really appreciate you coming on, man. Why don't you give a, yeah. a quick shout out where people can find you, find the podcast, everything else. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, if you want to check 
me out personally, uh, go to pick diesel, P I K diesel, all one word. Um, don't forget to follow the podcast Rutten River Pursuits. Um, we're on every podcatcher that you can uh, think of, um, ruttenriverpursuits.com. Um, so yeah, hit us up, follow the podcast, um, uh, Rutten River. You'll, uh, you'll hear me on there. Here's some adventures and, uh, all of the other guys, the, uh, great group of guys that, uh, are passionate about the outdoors. And, uh, man, this is, this is a fun time of the year. So if, uh, you, you listen to podcasts, hunting, fishing, outdoor podcasts, this is the time of the year to listen to them. Oh, for sure. You guys got great stuff and I really appreciate you guys coming on or you coming on talking about you guys. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know what else you got, Chuck. I, I think that's it. Any last words of advice for, uh, Mr. Sibeli oh, over here? Me. <laughs> <laughs> don't be a sissy. No, just get out. Enjoy, man. Take yeah. it, take it all in. Um, you know, it sounds like you're, you're prepared. You, you got the right equipment. Um, just enjoy it. Enjoy it. Yeah, they've been helping me along over the last couple of years, getting me on some stuff. So I'm definitely, definitely all in for the long haul. Yeah, and, and if you do make a mistake, we've all done it. We've all done it more than once. And whatever, whatever <laughs> it is, like we've done it. Yep, yep. Yeah, if you're gonna do it, just make it really epic so we can really make fun of you about it. <laughs> I will. I'll try my best. All right, boys and squirrels. Well, that's it. That's all we got here. Pick once again. Greatly appreciate you, brother. Uh, thanks Thank for you, jumping man. on, man. All right, yeah, jump, thanks, jump guys. On. Appreciate it.